This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Whakatane by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well indeed. We went to Timaru for the weekend. How was it? It was good. We had a four-year-old with us, so we went to the playground and we went and watched a football game, and then we went back to a playground, and then we went to a beach. It's a different view of Timaru. It's hard to imagine that Lucy is four already. That time is moving way too fast. She's getting big. <laughs> Just add food. <laughs> and who are we introducing today? It's my great pleasure to introduce Ruth Myers. Ruth is a mum, a teacher, a facilitator for Capable NZ, an artist and an incredibly creative, clever lady. And it's a real pleasure to have you with us today, Ruth. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Maria. Kia ora, Ruth. Where are you, Ruth? Uh, I'm in Dunedin, um, sitting at home at the moment in um, the glorious Smells Beach, where we've sort of lived for the last 20 years and been associated for the last 30 years. So it's our piece of heaven. How was Smells Beach during the lockdown? Well, once we got over the stress of the lockdown, um, there was this amazing calm and quiet where we were. Um, we could hear the birds, we could hear the sea, we could, it was like the environment just got to speak, you know, everything, there weren't the cars, there weren't the people, uh, things slowed down. And for us, it was a chance to reconnect, I suppose, with, with ourselves and our family and home, because we could really slow down, stop running around being busy, busy. Um, so we were really lucky. It was a beautiful place to be in lockdown. And when you came out of lockdown, it's still a beautiful place. Yeah, still a beautiful place. Um, we we found, I, I think, by by being able to stay at home, we actually um, we reconnected and made you know some I don't know some some good good decisions for home life and um, for being here. Um, We'd brought our property here back in 2000, I think, and it had been set up with a paddock. Um, and we've never really needed a paddock. And it wasn't until I realised why are we surrounded by grass and macros, you know, and I love native plants and I help with the nursery. So we put we, we started as a family with just chisels and mallets because I used to carve stones. So I had those. And we chipped away at this um, concrete wall trying to break it down <laughs> so each day we'd go out and do that together it was quite a quite quite a cool exercise um and made a hole through the wall made a gap through this wall into the paddock um and eventually when you know lockdown changed and you could 
connect with people. Our neighbours came over and Tim has a digger, so he could help take the rest of the wall down. And and we have started planting and, you know, changing the space into uh, what we realised was, you know, I think my partner said, Let, let's start living our vision, you know. We'd been kind of just uh, inhabiting, I suppose, and it gave us a chance to really connect and, and work out what our values were and what we wanted to do here. So, yeah, it, it's... It's, uh, it's growing um, and our connections deepened and um, we, we love it even more. That's a good outcome then. Yeah, fantastic outcome. Fantastic. I, you know, I, I, being a parent, being a teacher and I was studying for a lot of those years, I tended to run around like a mad thing, you know, from one thing to the next. And stopping and having to stay put was probably best thing that could happen for me really so you know I could appreciate everything I had and and reset so teacher and artist what work were you doing during the lockdown um well in teaching I was teaching in foundation learning at that time and that was pretty intense actually because in the first lockdown we weren't really set up for online learning uh, so we were frantically making online delivery material, plus being online all day um, and providing a lot of pastoral care because our foundation learners need a lot of support. Um, you kind of mum and dad for them. And um, so there was where I live, we're in, a, we, we're in an internet bubble. So sometimes I have to go up the hill to make cell phone calls. So I spent a lot of time sitting up in the, under the trees, <laughs> uh, connecting with students. Um, so your teaching was pretty full on. And then, of course, the kids had teaching. Um, and that worked to varying degrees apart from when we had technology issues. Uh, but what I loved was that moving between home life and work life in a fluid way. So you'd go put your soup on and then you'd go back into class and then you would go pop in and see your son and go out and put something on the line and I, 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 I like it felt like walls came down and it, it felt really beneficial and quite yeah. productive yeah really productive um really productive I think the big thing for us was we're in our 50s we had our children late so we're in our mid 50s and we have two teenagers <laughs> that we have to keep growing each day, you know, especially the 18-year-old. Um, so we we are being pushed, uh, I guess, to to keep pace with them and at the same time kind of connect with ourselves. In your mid-50s, it's like, what do you want life to be? You know, what do you want to be doing and why? And um, time's so valuable. So um, this, the, the lockdown and the sort of slower pace of a more maybe a more efficient way of doing life was really uh really good for us to to ask those bigger questions you know that we haven't got the answers to but we we feel at least we are thinking about them have you been able to make some of that stick yeah so I came up with a, um, a wee slogan, which was for myself, which was, this is the year of the homemade. And um, my kids loved it. But it was because I realised that I was rushing off to get quick fixes when that didn't nurture me and it didn't it didn't make my life a better space. 
Um, but what I really loved was cooking and growing things and spending time in the garden and nurturing. And um, I realized that the packet off the shelf wasn't the same as, you know, popping bickies in the oven that you've made. And actually, there's a lot of worse in those processes. And um, we shared them as a family. But anyway, I made the slogan the year of the homemade to try and keep it stick. So um, I still make my sourdough bread. It's always a bit hit and miss. The, we have a pet goose, so he gets quite a bit of that. But I still make that and I, we, I grow the veggies and I try and make food um, from sort of scratch, but not always. Like, um, I'm not, I'm flexible with it. Um, and in my own life, I'm trying to reconnect with creative ways of doing things. Uh, for instance, I'm trying to at the moment design curtains. Um, um, and design a block print pattern that sort of speaks to me about the coastline I live on. And I'm trying to get the colours and the textures and the lines and the movements and um, the feel of my environment and bring it into my home um, rather than um, go out and try and get it. So it does, it's my current space and I'm moving very slowly in it, but it it's still working into, I guess, that slower way of... Uh, doing things and letting things matter, letting things have time and letting them matter. Um, easy to say, this morning I get up and my son can't find his school trousers and we're running around going up. <laughs> so, yeah. Let's take the first of your music tracks and let's have Nelly Furtado, I'm Like a Bird, why this one? Oh, this one, we're big op shoppers and my partner is always um, saying, hey, listen to this CD and listen to that. And this is one I've just recently, he's he's popped on my desk and it's I find it really uplifting and I, especially when I'm drawing and painting, it just gives me a positive vibe. I'm so 
obviously an incredibly creative person. And um, I had a, uh, had, haven't read your whole uh, thesis, but had a flick through and listening to you talking today, like that your, your creativity is overt and wonderful. It's a beautiful thing. We need more creatives in the world. Where did that come from oh. in, your, in your life? Okay, well, um, mum, we lived in an old villa and my mum was a painter and she would paint the walls of the hallway. So that's my childhood, you know. We, we, My dad's from LA and we would communicate with his family with these scrapbooks that we would also all um, contribute as kids. So um, it always seemed to be my problem-solving go-to as well. I wanted a pony who doesn't as a wee girl, so I made a horse uh, out of the tree and I made the saddle <laughs> out of a pillow and I... So it's always sort of been the way I um, I respond to things. And as I as I grew into a teenager, I realised there was a space, you know, to uh, inhabit and ask questions and you know um, explore who, who I am. Um, yeah, so I, I'm really grateful that I guess I've had that in my upbringing. Um, and then as I went through as a student, I found, especially as I did. Um, graduate study, postgrad study, I found it such a critical inquiry, you know, with such freedom as well. You go to the spaces you need to go to. You ask the questions you need to ask and you move across the disciplines you need to move across. So I just loved the room of it. Um, and um, I think it could be used more actually as a, as a problem solving tool um, or as a way to look at things. Uh, yeah. How do we get those kids who are like here in the Eastern Bay Plenty? We we have like a incredibly high level of deprivation, and kids who are deprived often that that deprivation manifests as a, a very closed, small world with a mind that doesn't reach out. Mm. No, no curiosity, no creativity, because it's it's kind of been. They're trapped in a space, I guess, is the best way to describe it. How do we coax that out of those kids where their circumstances have forced them to go internal for some Yeah, moment? tricky. Like, I wonder, I mean, just, just thinking in quick response to that, a couple of things. One might be within our communities. Like, I know living here, there's, I'm one house of three, so we're a really tight, we community. We keep an eye out on each other and we would keep an eye out on needs, you know, further reaching needs because of that. So I think um, being part of a community network is huge. Um, and I think the other one might be just just tapping into that creative thing. Um, if we could relook a little bit about what we teach in schools and how we teach it. For instance, you know, I remember once helping, I used to volunteer at primary school with art classes, and I remember um, my own child coming home uh, with a big uh, A4 piece of paper that he'd had to colour in with felt pen. And it, to me, it was a babysitting exercise, you know. And I, no, you know, this isn't teaching spaces where you might be able to communicate such things of need or things that need address or just a nurturing space or an activity that's productive. So perhaps being far more critical about what we are using, uh, what our expectations of education spaces could be helpful in, in addressing, you know, getting into areas of need beyond, beyond relying on communities 
if that yeah do you think we can actually get that sort of system change inside the schools that enables that kind of thinking well the one thing i've come out of covid feeling hopeful about but i may be naive in saying this is you know they stopped the country in its tracks and made people stay at home and i think well if you can do that you can do anything so maybe we need to question our expectations of change and think about what could be possible and more importantly critique how we're going on things in, a, in light of that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Our, our system at the moment measures the success of its learners by one standard which yeah. is at the moment that's NCEA and there's a prescribed measurement and yes you are good at that or no you're not because you haven't met the standard. Mm. Do you think that we can have a more flexible approach to assessment that actually is oh. learner-centred rather than system-centred? Absolutely. Um, and one of the one of the areas I've been working with in foundation, and we're doing a small little wee research project, is um, in neurodiversity. And I know in my own family, and I know even for myself, uh, for instance, I like a blue background when I read. It just helps me read. It helps me think. Um, and one of my sons... Um, we had to sort of support learning um, outside of school. There's no way what they were doing in school was going to support support him and what he needed. And so, and some of the sentiments that are expressed in our educational systems are, are damaging. And um, we hide behind structures and um, benchmarks that don't they don't work. Uh, they're not fit for purpose for everyone. Um, so, yeah, I guess in my area, I've been trying to look at um, I've, um, bringing in other forms of assessment and not relying on the written word, the text, you know, it's, how can we make thinking evident? Does it need to be a written essay? No, it doesn't. Um, you know, we can use visual diagrams, we can use oral recordings, uh, conversations. Um, so I think... I guess these are questions of power and other things as well. But, you know, unknitting in the right place and always going for ethical and ethical rightness. And that's much harder than what we think. And maybe um, we have to be prepared for systems to well, – systems need to critique themselves and we have to be prepared for fundamental change. And And – Maybe that's something we've learned through COVID as well, is that change can happen. I'm not sure if I've answered your question very well, but very well. Yeah. Very well. How do you th how do you think we prepare the system for change? Yeah. Yeah, well, this is where I'm a bit see, I'm quite a quiet person, I'm quite a private person, and I tend to feel like I need to work on the things that I need to work on to get my world right and then move from there. So I'm not, I'm not always good with what's going on and the bigger, bigger out there. Um, but for instance, if I think of my own model, I'm trying to get things right in my world and where I am here, and that reaches out through my family and through my kids and through students I work with. So I see those ripples, 
is moving outwards. So if I keep working on on it from that space, I think that, yeah, and then I guess if I get involved in research practice or projects that help to chip away at that and collaborate, then that can also make ripples as well. So I think I, in my own project, I got tied up with this concept of the personal is political, you know, and a lot of sort of feminist um, theorists were quite, uh, I found them quite supportive in the areas I was looking at. Um, and I find it a really naughty area because if you allow something to become easily put on a shelf as someone else's problem, things may not get done, mm. you know. And so sometimes you really do need action and you need things to be uh, able to do their work in the world to create change. Um, so somewhere between the two spaces. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mahi aroha nui, kia koutou, kotahuahau. I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars in your beloved universes. And I really hope wherever you are and whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day. Who you are, the triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique and here, making things better. Thank you. So of course for us all, we are engaged in a process of lifelong learning, whether we are conscious of this or not. And I love, you know, us as a species. I just think we're fascinating. I just really, really love us. And something that I really love about us is that we're constantly, constantly learning. And this is part of our consciousness. This is part of the consciousness of all life, that we are co-evolving in an infinite web. And we are all learning together. So as much as possible, I would say, please acknowledge and celebrate your own learning that you're doing. And it's every moment that we are, you know, awake. And I'm sure even when we're asleep, there's processing and learning going on. And I'm sure we're learning in other ways. So, you know, I would say, please, please, please give yourself a huge inner party or outer party or both to really celebrate all the learning that you're doing and that you've done and that you'll continue to do because it is very powerful and it is a great gift it is a great skill and as a species you know we really have shifted and changed so much around us and I think we're starting to look at our history look at our our lives look at how things are and envision a new way for things to be together, which is beautiful. And this is a learning. So when we are doing this very wide scale, uh, large collective learning, of course it's important that we care for ourselves individually during this process because it is very large work. It's a huge amount of work that we're doing all together at the moment. And technology which we've created has enabled us to connect and we're connecting in ways that we never were able to before although we may have connected in other ways so we're connecting in these really vast ways and we're learning together which is really exciting and it's not just learning with each other it's learning with the whole web of life 
it's acknowledging that we are part of the ecosystem and the ecosystem that surrounds us needs us needs our support needs our care needs our acknowledgement needs our recognition needs our understanding needs our learning and that's what's happening now so it's a very beautiful process and i'm happy very very happy that this is taking place through my work at Otakunui Eco Sanctuary I know that when we have an area of land that we're restoring it's incredible the difference that it makes just to give that beautiful land the chance to heal the chance for life to return and it always does and always will you know and in the same way we're giving ourselves the opportunity to be learning and healing and growing together at this time which is so positive and I'm so excited for what's going to come next so I really hope for you wherever you are and whatever's happening around you you can really enjoy this process and see in yourself and in your life the areas in which you are learning and healing and areas which are being restored and also what new exciting horizons are appearing within your view for you to explore and thank you again for having me this show makes such a huge difference to me and i'm so grateful to sam and the whole blown bubbles team and to all of you and i'll look forward to talking to you again soon thank you Kakite. you are listening to blowing bubbles we are talking with ruth myers Ruth, thinking about your practice um certainly after having read uh, some of your writing and then listening to you today i i see you as um, as a person who's developed a um using creativity as a method of system change do you think that accurately reflects where you're at in your practice yes i i, I think that's amazing i um think that somehow you've managed to encapsulate um where i maybe am right now you know um because I think I've worked through quite a personal endeavour and now I feel like I want to reach out, but I wasn't sure how to what, what to call that. And I think you've just nailed that for me. So, you know, thank you so much. Because sometimes, you know, you just need the frame. You need to understand a little bit. It's like a roadmap, you know. And so I feel like that's um, that's definitely what I'm about. I'm... I've always got, I, I know I have this strong ethical sort of uh, pull in me. And I think that, that you know, that's the why within it. Um, and yet, um, if things go too far away from a creative space, they don't have the freedom I need. Um, and they don't have the nurture I need, you know. So it's kind of like an in, in, in ecosystem. I think also the authenticity as well, isn't it? Because you are at your core a creative person. So if you stray too far from that, you lose your authenticity in your practice. Yeah. And I also I almost dry up in a weird way. It's like it's like the river has to keep flowing, you know, you have to keep moving and to do that creativity gives you a space for things to, to, to enter and, and move through. So um yeah and it's an expansive space awesome limitless yes limitless love it (laughs) 
You've recently moved across to Capable, across to work-based learning. Is that a place that you're hoping to achieve that kind of creativity and system change? Oh, I, don't, I, I hope so. I've been pinching myself, Sam, when I'm sitting there because it's been certainly a place of learning. And in my previous role in foundation, that was a place of um, – uh, a, a very busy place of supporting students and um, a lot of giving and very, be, being kind of parent on turbo full time. Um, and I, I'm really appreciating space opening out to just to, to, to be able to build, I guess, creativity and building for me go together, you know, make, do and learn. So, and I, and I hope to be able to support other learners' journeys in that way. Yeah. We have seen lots of changes in society over the last couple of years. What do you think is going to stick? And perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? Again, I'm hopeful that we realise significant change can happen. So if it needs to happen, instead of putting things on shelves um, or, you know, that perhaps, you know, when we start to say this needs to happen or that needs to happen, we remember that in the past, e.g. in this COVID era, when we've had to act with urgency, we have been able to do that. Although alongside of that, that we, the ethical sort of, situations within that are always brought to the forefront so it's complex but but things can change um and um and for me personally you know to watch out for that busyness that just becomes a trap really for um letting go of the things of value and remember to keep those things of value <laughs> and up front the theme of our show which we didn't do on purpose but it turned into this is positive but not deluded and I think we're starting to realise that maybe just a little bit of deluded is needed, but not, but not, not a blinkered kind of deluded. How does how do you mix that? I suppose it's that sort of that that creativity and that critical thinking, or are they the same thing? How does it work for you? Um, if deluded means being able to test things out, try things, experiment, play then it's critical because it's what opens out spaces and ways to think of things think things differently um, and look at things differently so so it's it's quite nuanced it's probably yeah the positive but not dilute po uh, yeah being able to being able to push out the edges Yes, I think we're going to change it, Moira. Positive and a little bit deluded. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's actually essential that we remain a little bit deluded because that's where the hopefulness comes from, I think. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You have to have the courage to actually to hope for the future and in the face of negativity, it's it's a bit of a, it almost feels a little bit mad actually to, to have to ponder everything with a positive lens. But yeah. we have to, otherwise, where does the hope come from? And without that, what do we have? Yeah, and it inspires endeavour, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep, yeah. hope does. Yeah. 
I noticed that in, in this in this little community where I live is that it just sits there waiting for any hope and grabs onto that and runs with it. And um, and because of that, we tend to attract attract a lot of hopeful things as well. Lots of uh, funding, lots of uh, really cool ideas, amazing people who come into the community. And I think because we're so willing to grab onto anything that's hopeful or positive. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, a really cool thing out here I wanted to share is there's been a wee nursery next door to me. I think it's called the Tomahawk Smells Beach Care Trust. And it's probably been going for 25 years, roughly. Um, and it's been this little hub of growing plants and then plantings around the area and a bit wider away. And over the time we've been here, We've seen our area change from being the kind of place people would come and burn out cars and throw their rubbish and um, to, you know, small forests growing and, you know, the bird life changing and people caring for the plants and, you know, collecting the rubbish if it's ever put there. And so it's a whole mindset change to the environment and that's not taken that long, you know. Um so, and it's such a good model. It's sort of come from the area, um, yet it brings people in. And then um, at the last planting, I overheard a woman say she was setting one up in Brighton. So she'd been coming and getting ideas. So it's sort of, I don't know, just when you talk about the word hope, I sort of, I, 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 I think we've got many reasons to sense and feel it all around us. But like you say, you've got to, be in the positive space and be thankful for everything we do have and um I'm, I'm thankful for every day I just just think oh another day <laughs> I think that, that the, the bad deeds that happen happen in dark corners and if we like those corners yeah. we like those places then then everything has to change so negativity can only happen in places because we turn a blind eye to it or we don't look for it or or it happens in the shadows and I think we actually just need to start looking in this, but populating those spaces with goodness and positivity. Yes, yes, yeah. And then it so just can't exist anymore. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the next part of hopefulness is the action. Yeah, and that, that circles back to sort of working into systems, doesn't it? Mm-hmm, it does. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to squeeze in the second of your music choices. Let's have Mazzy Star. Fade into you. Why this one? Oh, I just, her voice just takes me. Your life is going shadow. 
Ruth, you said that you used to work in stone. Working in stone, of course, has a has a long legacy. Things stay around for a long time. Do you have yes. a hankering for that again? Oh, no. <laughs> I don't even know. You know, it was like, 
I did art school and I remember thinking I wanted to burrow into one thing, just one thing, instead of learning a whole lot. I just wanted to really get to know one thing and and um, uh, a lecturer had just come to fill in and he taught us all how to carve stone and I had one chisel, uh, one, one chisel and a mallet and spent a year carving stone with this chisel and mallet. And I, I it was a weird sort of devotion to this one material which I kept on for I don't know nearly a decade probably and um I I loved the the ritual of it um and um I got to do some pretty cool things like I did the stone walker out at St Clair um which apparently the surfies sleep on as an initiation it would be so uncomfortable <laughs> um and um uh, did a piece for the hospice, which was pretty special because my mum spent her final days there. Um, and I, yeah, I really enjoyed the carving process and just being engaged with a, a with a material that sort of spoke back to you. You know, it it really did do what it was going to do, and you just were a bit along for the ride. Um, but I did get to a point where. Uh, been involved in galleries and commissions and it became a bit of a, a, a sort of quite a hard lifestyle um, and it it ended up not giving me the space I needed to develop you know I found myself stuck and I had to change sort of open it out so that that's where actually study was quite good and I ended up in the sort of performance and um, technology area which I never would have dreamed. You know, when you go, the last thing I want to do is anything to do with performance. And, you know, when you say <laughs> something like that, and then you end up doing this, you know, and you – but it was just what needed to be done. It just just gave me the space to work through the things I wanted to work through in my practice. So from sculptural to um, performance yeah. to that, the, the ephemeral of performance to something in the middle of curtains. Yes, that's exactly right. Um, so it's uh, now I'm drawing. That I'm drawing, and oddly, I'm playing with paint, which I've never really done. Um, I I've got a good friend. We went right through school, and we decided at art school that she would paint, and I would do sculpture. So I'd always made objects, and um, I've just found myself um, painting um, more, looking for more for the feel of colours and what they're doing. Um, and and really finding it a nice space. So drawing so that I just pay attention, you know, I look. Yeah. I have some questions to end the show with. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know because it's on, on all sorts of levels. I haven't spoken about my kakabeeks, so I'm, I have a real love affair with kakabeeks, and um, I, I have been keeping the seed and growing them and then giving the plants away. So one of my biggest successes has been um, being able to get, I've got lots of kakabeeks growing here at home and being able to sort of get my process so that I can grow the seeds and pot them up and, and um, uh, share them. Um, I've got better at that. I mean, I used to struggle a bit with, with those plants, but um, that's been a big success. And I think, what else? A little bit of letting go, you know, a little bit of letting go. 
We are writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's your superpower? Uh, well, right now, I think the word nurture. I realise how much I need to nurture, how much that nurtures me and, you know, this such a productive space. And Do you consider yourself to be an activist? I'd say I'm a quiet one, yeah. <laughs> What for? Um, I feel like it's important to get things right. So you know that ethical rightness, and and if I if I feel like I'm encountering something that needs redress or something that's not right, I can't look away from it. Do you know what I mean? It's just it's just paying attention to what needs to to what needs attention paid to. In a capacity that I'm able to. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Um, love, you know. I love my family. I love living here. I just, as I said, having another day. I just, you know, I, I, I live in the best place in the world. And, I, you know, I, I just, there's, there's, there's just so much. Um, yeah, I, I just value the opportunity to um, to be. Um, yeah. So what's the biggest challenge or opportunity that you're looking forward to in the next year or so? Well, I think... For me, I've been through quite a few transitions. Like I think my PhD really took uh, big questions for me and gave me time to really wrestle them and work with them. And I'm now sort of in a space where I feel like I can look outwards and and it's that beginning to make those connections and and, and start working in those spaces. And I'm not I'm not quite sure. Um, of those steps, that's where I really love what you said about the creativity as a method of system change because they're not ever in one space or the other. It's how they come together that I really know I get the buzz, you know. So, yeah, I think it's taking those steps into that space will be will be uh, what I'm looking forward to doing. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Um, I just, I just think, uh, go out and you know enjoy, make the most of every day, um, and um, connect with your values. Um, uh, uh, ask those difficult questions for you. You know, make time and space to ask the questions. Who am I? What are, what's important to me? Um, um, appreciate the time you've got or we've got. Thank you for that. Mawera. Ruth, in your thesis you wrote, the creative aspect requires finding such omissions or gaps where possibilities for thinking and living differently can occur. And here you are actually living that. And that is a beautiful thing when people are actually living their authentic self and, um, and truly trying new things and thinking new thoughts. So it's been a real pleasure to get to talk to you today. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for sharing that. That's beautiful. Thank you. May not be a bear.
listen I'll help you look you can be sure and if you want to be alone someone to share a laugh whatever you want me to all you gotta do You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We are broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Joan Armour Trading. 
I'm Sam Nguyen, so is Eden, with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani and from Smales Beach in Dunedin. We've been joined by Ruth Myers. Uh, that was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. Matiwa. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.